Hi, this is Sharice Kenyon and you're listening to the Beauty Me podcast all about beauty beyond the BS. I feel like the beyond the BS tagline is definitely very real for today's guest. We had such an honest conversation. I really hope that you find it to be just a breath of fresh air because it's kind of a stressful environment right now. If you're in the UK, you know, we're going through some new rules with regards to the pandemic and stress levels are rising because Christmas is coming and everybody wants Christmas to happen. So I'm really, really glad that my guest was able to make time for me this week because honestly, it was just a really fun conversation. It's so good to laugh. So her name is Rachel Estabrook. She's a New York-based makeup artist and she's also a podcast host of Seriously Made Up. You might recognize Rachel's name as she recently took part in my Burnout Part 1 episode And she was really vocal about being realistic with her workload, especially when it came to feeling like she needed to create content on top of her actual job. I wanted to invite Rachel on for a dedicated episode because not only is she a makeup artist who freely shares her work journey, she's also pretty funny. I do mention to her that I think she could do stand-up if she wanted to. She's very good at honing in on little intricacies about the beauty industry that kind of make her laugh or even annoy her and she's also recently been really open about her experiences of therapy. In this episode I wanted to just be a bit more nosy about what therapy really is as it's something I've never done but as the years go by I keep thinking I need to book in for therapy, I need to do some therapy but I think I'm scared of opening up that box Um, so I really wanted to use Rachel as like um, a sounding board to see how it's been for her. I also wanted to find out how she first fell in love with makeup. And once I hear her answer, it really makes sense why she has such a humorous take on the beauty industry. Of course, I also asked Rachel which beauty product she's loving right now. So I hope you love it as much as I did. Okay, well, first of all, Rachel, I think you already know the drill. Tell me your morning routine. I want to know from when you wake up. I know. Okay. I love it. Okay. So I'm bad because I feel like ideally people come on here and they're like, all right, every day I do this and it's all like the healthiest, best things to set my day for success. I'm like, Oh no, if I'm going to be truthful, nine times out of 10, I'm scrolling on Instagram. I like, I wake up, I do a little scroll, um, lately. Cause it's dark when I wake up, it takes me extra time to like, be like, okay, you're up, get up. So I'll be cozy for a second. And I'm a, I'm a slow starter. If I don't have to get up and immediately go to work, which in that case, then I have my outfit set out and I'm literally just doing everything in like muscle memory motion, just getting changed, packing my bag, going out and leaving. But if I get a chill moment, I'm going to ease my way out of bed. Usually the thing that I do have that is an everyday thing is I make a smoothie. I'm a very much a smoothie routine girl. I try to get my collagen in that way. It's easier for me to do that. Um, And then depending on the day, I mean, my God, I could either, you know, jump into emails, maybe have a lot of online work to to do that day, or I have other things that I want to get done, like errands, maybe get a workout in. I haven't done that in so long. So like, I need to do that, but not really. But no, I'm I'm slow. I'm a slow starter. But as long as I eat something, because I've been waking up with insane heartburn, I don't know where and what that's coming from, but a bunch of heartburn this season. I have no, I have no idea. Somebody told me cantaloupe and I was like, Oh, I guess that helps. Some of my pregnant friends were like, yeah, 
Are you pregnant? No, no. I got it. I wish. No. <laughs> you imagine I right now on your podcast? Like, oh, I haven't. I figure out all the symptoms. No, it's crazy. I've, I think it every month, trust me, like every month I have all the resounding symptoms of like what would be early pregnancy, but it's not. Um, I think it has to do with my endometriosis, which is an inflammatory mm. disease. So then I think it just gears things up. So I'm better to start if I pretty much out the gate, eat something right off. Um, and usually I'm just moving out. So it gets me going. Yeah. Not that I'm a doctor or anything, but I'm just intrigued. Do you do, do you eat a lot of things like acidic things like tomatoes? Do you eat a lot of meat? You know what? Not, I eat a decent amount of meat. I do. Mm. Um, we try to chill on the red meat, but I think I do have meat almost daily. People are going to hate that. I say that, but almost daily, at least once, but I'm very, I don't eat a lot of food period, which sounds crazy saying out loud, but I do a very small proportions Mm -hmm. and I probably eat two like big meals a day. Like I'm not like a big lunch girl. I love breakfast and I love dinner and that's pretty much it. And I might snack, but I'm also the type of, I can go hours badly without eating or drinking, which is horrible. But when I'm home, I get in a better schedule and regimen of like making a lunch and doing things. But when I'm on set and I'm working, I don't even think about eating, which is so bad, but it just doesn't even come across. I don't even think about it. Some days I do, but it depends on my anxiety level of that job. <laughs> it's weird. Cause I do the same thing. Like I will just hold off. Like let's get the things that need to be done, done. Yep. Coffee. I can have, I've had four coffees today. Oh my God. That's the worst I've been for a while. And that is definitely acid forming. Yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I See? tend to just leave things until, let's do this. or And it, it's mm-hmm. often for the benefit of others, not in a martyr way, but like you probably do it because, you know, you need to be at work. You need to be on it. Yes. And then when work's done, it's like, mm-hmm. whoa, I'm hungry. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a binge. I used to do that on my Broadway schedule heavily. I would work because you go to work at such a weird time. It's technically dinner. You know, your day starting at 5 PM, which is just awkward. And I'm not a lunch girl, like I said. So then it's like, by the time I get to work, I'm focused. You don't get out till 10 PM. Maybe if the backstage vibe is like, I have a set time to eat, but not always. So like, I'll come home and just gorge. And it's so bad for your system. But then when I hear my friends talk about intermittent, uh, intermediate or intermittent fasting, intermittent, like, that's what I do. I feel like I've been doing that though, but not on purpose. You Maybe are not. doing it, but you're doing it. I don't want to come across as judgy. You tell know me. me, we've been talking. No, Basically, tell me. You're doing it, but you're doing it the way that your body won't benefit so much because I figured, I figured you would be better off if you could eat from 8am till 4pm. So, you know, you're going to work at five. You start eating at eight. So you have your breakfast, skip your lunch. But at three, you get your big meal in, go to work. When you come home, you don't eat, you go to bed. Then you get these amazing benefits. Your stomach will be flat, flat, flat in the morning. You might even find your inflammatory, you know, the endometriosis could calm because you're giving your body time to digest at night instead of coming home, working, eating, sleeping. Right. So... Yeah, I'm not no, people tell me that all the time. That's so weird. I shouldn't be eating Captain Crunch at 11 p.m. I had, it's so wild. I <laughs> Maybe that hot bun is. Maybe that heartburn in the morning is from my late night snacks. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay you're down. No, you're probably 100% right. I did know people were like, don't eat as late as I do sometimes. I try to cut myself off before um, 9 p.m. 
but even that eating at 8 PM, like we make late dinner sometimes, like we'll both be like, I'm not hungry yet. And then we'll wait. And then it's like 8 PM rolls around me and the boyfriend are like, okay, let's cook now. And then we're not eating till nine. And then yeah, no, it's a mess. So we need to get it on track. I'm trying maybe 2022. That's my trajectory. I need to like, yeah, yeah. 2022. I mean, have you been thinking about next year a lot? Are you someone that's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that mood board journal. Or are you trying to just be chill? You know what? I am a big mood boarder. I do it every New Year's Eve, actually. It's like a thing that I do, whether it be with a group of girlfriends, by myself, at home, whatever. Last year, I had my sister and her best friend here. So we all did that together. Um, And I like it because it helps me look at the one I had in the past year and see what I missed. And so instead of getting discouraged, I just kind of carry it over. And just go, all right, well, then let's, it's just something to either continue to work on and then praise myself for the things that I did fully accomplish or felt like I hit. Um, but mine are a lot of words. Mine aren't really, when I make mood boards or goals for 2000 or the next year, whatever, um, it will be words or, or an attitude or an energy or things I'm seeking. And then when I get to the nitty gritty, I'll go to specifics, but then that's kind of less on my mood board, more on my, like my literal goal list of like yeah. how to actually achieve it. I'll write the goal and then the feasible steps to get there to achieve that goal. Not to say I want to work on a magazine. Okay. We need to be very way more specific than that. So I'll get to the nitty gritty of my goals, but my mood board is all energy. I think on there right now, it's in front of me. It's literally like get happy, fresh start, prevent pregnancy is actually one of them, which is hilarious. So I did that. Uh. <laughs> I'm like, nailed it. I nailed that one. Good, good. <laughs> uh, I'm similar. I've got, I have a picture of Oprah on there and you know why. I've told you before. <laughs> it's happening. I want, I want to be the Oprah of the beauty podcast yes, world. But, she's um, doing it. But yeah, lots of words. Like I want to cover, you know, um, what else is on there? I've given Daniel an area. Yes. I love that. Um, and his is all words like consistency. It's just that whole. Yes. It helps you just create like a mood and an energy and intention more so for the year versus discouraging yourself on literal acts of goals or things that you have to do, like lose 10 pounds. Like it's so specific. That you're like, all right, well, what? So I like that. I'm very much about that. But every year. Yeah, for sure. I like a new year. I always the way that my brain is still structured is viewing it. it you will make fun of me, but it's viewed in like a high school uh, school sense. So school starts in September. So my new year, when I really like blossom, I really kick things into gear in September. And that goes all the way to about, I want to say June, end of June, where I'm like really working really, really hard. And I get a little lax in the July and August. Cause it's like my, Oh, it's the summertime. So it's like things kind of chill out and the holidays, are the holidays, but yeah, when the new year comes around, I'm already like, well, I already start kicking things in a high gear towards September. Um, at least to like do a little, I guess it's a sprint, if you will, to then the finish of the old year. So it helps. Yeah. Yeah. I I actually usually enjoy that whole September to January thing. I think it's just been a little bit different the past year. Oh yeah. Because, you know, for obvious reasons, the pandemic. Um, But I know what you mean. It's, it's, it's that new season. And especially when autumn kicks in, you kind of start to think of like, kind of like hibernating but in a creative way not necessarily hiding away but more yes. like digging into what you love yes no. but I definitely want to talk more about your podcast because oh. you've had a bit of a makeover definitely going to talk about your work but I, love it. I want to go back to baby Rachel like Ooh. young Rachel <laughs> the Rachel you were when you discovered that beauty was this thing that kind of had you excited 
I love that. No, I'm trying to think, you know, it's such an interesting question because it's like our brain, my mom always reminds me of times that are farther back than I can remember of like, no, no, it's always been there, which is an interesting thing to feel. But then I have different memories of when it kind of kicked off for me. But she always reminds me at like really young ages, I would be doing um, playing makeup on my grandma because she would always be like, come play with my hair, do my lipstick, do stuff. So we and my cousins um, we're very girly girls, like super girly girls. We would always ask for the fake, you know, makeup sets, the fake kitchen set, like whatever we would want all that stuff. And it'd just be plastic at that point. And we would just be playing pretend, which is hilarious, like a mess, but we would have those. And so my memory, it was always, I was very into cosmetics and beauty from a very early start. I enjoyed it because a, it gave me attention. I was an absolute ham. Like I knew like, Oh, they're, they're looking at me doing something. I'm getting praise for it. Cause they're enjoying it. I'm one of five kids. So any way to stand out from the crowd and like get that attention was like a a day to day struggle and fight. So anything I could do to set myself apart, I would do. And that definitely put me in that place. I felt like selfishly, I was like, oh, they're loving this. So that was cool. But I was actually a theater kid, like come the like, you know, really like cognizant years of one remembering things. I did theater from easily third grade up until at least eighth grade. Um, and I was heavy in it, performing, really enjoyed it. Never got any lead parts. I was too shy for that, but I was always the ham in the group and I would do a bunch of ensemble roles. I enjoyed thoroughly getting done with people, helping girls get done. Um, and that was a blast. And it was only until high school when I was like, oh, I don't want to do this seriously. I'm not trying to be a performer. All these people were looking at it like college level. I was like, oh, I don't care that much. I'm just trying to have fun. So then I kind of took myself into different places. I dipped my toes into wardrobe. Wasn't for me. You know, I played on some sets, did that. And then I figured we didn't have a makeup department. So I actually ended up making a makeup department for my high school and like being the head of it and asking people to sign up and getting like 30 odd girls to sign up to do the makeup for whatever production we were doing. We also had a very rounded a deep curriculum for theater. We were very lucky in that sense. My school was very fortunate for that to have a really round program um, in the arts period. So that gave me a huge opportunity. So I was designing shows in high school for each, and we had four shows a year. So I'm doing a musical, a black box, a straight play. Like, so my brain got to really function on a high level for a young age and doing these roles. So that really kicked me off to get to makeup school. But even I think God in eighth grade, I think it was seventh or eighth grade, I went into a pageant. So hang on, because obviously we're in different systems. How old would you have been at that point then? I think I was 14. Okay. Yeah, 14, because then eighth grade, 15, my my freshman, 16, 17. Yeah, or 13, just about 13, 14. Yeah. Yeah. So you went into a pageant and that was your decision, not your mom or... Yeah, no, it came around. And that's the funny part where it always sounds so corny because it wasn't a beauty pageant because I wasn't that type of girl, though I liked makeup. I liked being silly. Humor is always my first in with people. And that still stands today. I want to make you comfortable. I'm probably going to enjoy making you laugh more than I am doing your makeup. That's just me. This is like kind of secondary, but it all kind of intertwines because it's such a personable career, you know, Mm -hmm. we're using and working on people. So that's always a plus. But my mom, when she saw it, it was like an ad for Boston. It was like a Boston personality teen, like teen personality something pageant. And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. My mom's like, you should do that. So we did it. And I ended up doing, I got third place, which was dope. 
I screwed up one of my answers. Absolutely <laughs> wrecked it. Cause they asked me something super broad and I chickened out on stage. I was like, forget this, but backstage. And I didn't even remember this. My mom like tells me all the time. She's like, Rachel, I knew from then and beyond. She's like, you did every girl's makeup. She's like, you were helping all the girls get done when they were like, cause they would, you know, you were so much back time, like backstage time because they'd go on, there'd be a whole round of questions and it'd take forever. So I ended up kicking with all the girls backstage and I was doing my own makeup and then they'd be like, oh, and I would just go and help them. I would help do their eyes with like probably my one palette that I maybe had. And like, it was probably super unsanitary too. So I'm oh, like, I met all of you, <laughs> probably a mess, but I helped them all. And my mom's like, oh yeah, that was the funnest part of the whole entire process that you did for you was doing their makeup and helping them out. That was absolutely it. And I was like, that's so crazy. So I think it was always there baseline. And it just, it then developed and developed and developed. And then even still today, I mean, I love it, but there's so many levels to the industry that I don't agree with. And then the things that I really streamline, and then I'm trying to make a a lane for myself in that way to figure out what do I like the most out of makeup artistry as a career as a whole. So. I love that because I feel like um, you're evolving. You remind me a bit of Ellie Luna, who I'm sure you know, and she, you know, she does the ballet, but makeup for the ballet but during the pandemic her content just went wow like she she kills it yeah what I love about you is and you've just basically told me you are you're pretty funny Ah. um oh damn (laughs) like you are so good at creating things that kind of like either make you laugh make us laugh or you kind of acknowledge things about the industry Yes. Or, you know, the clientele. Right, and, right, um, right. For some reason, I could really see you doing stand-up. I don't know. When. Oh, my God. I bet. You know, it's so sad. They told me that as I'm paying, like, a good 10 grand for makeup school and my teacher, and I love her to death. And it always stuck with me because I was like, damn, I want her to tell me, like, I'm going to be the next Alex Bach. And she was like, or Alex Box, And she was like, you could be an amazing MC." And I was like, what? <laughs> she was like you'd be really good at hyping people up like you're a great hype man no no like, no you would be the person that's hyped like I could see no. Net- Netflix special I'm Netflix dead. special no. beauty industry comedian I mean come on I wish I wish because you know, that's the thing I'm trying to figure out man it's like what what do I like but the second I'm told that's the issue with me is I, I value when we're around actors we're around models we're around comedians and I see them in their process and what it truly takes I can't even put myself in their lane I like I said I've created my own little like niche and it's fun and I enjoy it thoroughly but to do it like full out I'm like oh my I have such stage fright I am such a chicken like I can sit here with you (laughs) I could probably like you do stuff that I could not do no but I'm you put it out there yeah, I'm good in a room by myself. But if I had to get it, I'd have to just really push it. It would have to be a fear I conquered. Like speaking of Ellie Luna, when I saw her do her TED Talk recently and that be an opportunity that came in for her, she'd express last minute. Right. And I'm like, I would I would have been like, no, I'm all set. Like I'm not prepared. Do you know what I mean? So to jump and move out of your fear, I would have to do that in a lot of ways to get myself to be on stage and actually do something seriously with comedy or even just promote whatever it could be. Maybe it will find its niche. I like hosting. So maybe I put that on the air. I'd love to host Um, things like that. And it doesn't even have to be makeup related. I just like being with people and and curating and being silly and whatever, but 
yeah, we'll see where it, it takes form. I don't know if I fully hit a nail on the head yet with it. We'll see where it goes, but I'm enjoying it for now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the main thing. I remember when we'd spoken, um, cause we obviously we both have podcasts and we both know that it's not just this easy thing. I think a lot of people think that it is super easy and then, yeah. you know, six episodes later, you don't see them again. Right. Um, <laughs> But and that's not a dig, it's just acknowledging no, it's it. It's not that easy. No, um, it's, it's a full-time job. People don't um realize. And even I, like I I've taken a very slow approach now where I used to be like every week I want an ep. I'm like, I can't do that. Doesn't work with my life, doesn't work with my schedule, especially it was easier in COVID to say that talk because nothing was happening. So I could do that, or I could, you know, finesse and, and work my way that way. And my mind and energy was towards it. But you you know the deal. I mean, you're you're surpassed episode 100. Like this is crazy. Like that level of commitment and discipline and show up is insane. And it's a lot of hard work. And I give it up to you because even me, I'm like, Oh, okay, we're going to just take it, take it step by step here. I put out three episodes for my new drop. But then I was like, Oh, okay, I got to give it a beat because work is busy. And it's to do the time. (gasps) I didn't even realize I thought I was going to be able to kind of finesse and it's really taking a toll. I'm like, Okay, I gotta I just gotta be bite sizes and be okay with that. Well, I was honest with you. Like, I was like, I can, just for anyone listening, I, me and Rachel were meant to do this episode, what, maybe two weeks ago? At least a week ago. And I cancelled and I left you a voice note because I was like, it's the best way for me to be so honest with you. Yeah. And I was like, I I can't do it. Like, I, I feel so much overwhelmed from my day job, which is producing magazines, like magazines that anyone that listens to me will probably never see but I work in beauty I've been writing great. about it for like 15 years like that's my day job and being a photographer and I'm organizing last minute shoots doing that and I was like I want to be able to sit down with you and really listen and right. I was like I, my brain will be mush I know I know but I respect that because I'm much the fact that you have that awareness about yourself and you're able to do it and then just be vulnerable and honest it, it, I, for me personally, I mean, I'm definitely the type, but I have way more respect for that type of person than, you know, when someone's coming up with a fake excuse as to why they're canceling or dipping or just can't, it's like, I re- I'd much rather you just be honest and say, cause we're humans. I can't do it today. Don't have it in me. I want to do it of a valuable level. And I can't give that to you today. Let's reschedule it if that's possible. Like it, we also have to realize not do or die. I've had to come to terms with that too, for my own podcast. I'm like, if something cancels, or I'm not pumping out, you know, I know I say, and it's, you want to show up and have the consistency, but I'm not going to break my body and my brain over not showing up for this audience for my bi-weekly episodes. And it's not like I have people necessarily knock on my door, like, where are those episodes? So I have to calm down <laughs> about it and like, be like right, they're going to get them when they get them because nobody, it's not, it's, it's not your very, baby. Right. Right. It's and we baby. make the rules. So we rather be honest and slow and and I'm glad you know you have that same mindset because it's so valuable and very very important especially doing what we're doing can I just ask because um this week or was it last week you shared about therapy and how it really like it like kind of dragged you that day um (laughs) have you always been someone that's like um into therapy and just being in tune with yourself because you sound like you've kind of been through it Mm -hmm. and learned about yourself yeah, I I don't know if I would say I've always been because my first experience with therapy was in my first breakup. People probably don't, not too many people I feel like know this about me. I mean, I, I'm very open. So if you ever get close enough with me, everyone and their mother knows it. But 
as far as the general public speaking, they, I, I'm such a late bloomer. So I had my, my first boyfriend, my first kiss, my first everything literally in my young twenties and I'm only 28. So my experience with life and heartbreak and like really big things took place not too long ago. And I have to like remind myself that. So I'm like, okay. So when I first had my first experience with therapy was through my first breakup, I couldn't get my shit together. My world was over. I couldn't act right at work. I would be bawling. Like I was working at the public theater on a show and I was actually working with um, Karen Olivio and she's a huge Broadway actress. And it was an opportunity for me. I was still very new to Broadway and theater at that time. And I had um, a supervisor be like, I specifically put you on her track because I know like you can do this and do the da da da. I had literally been broken up the day before and I couldn't perform. Like I could not perform. I was barely making a buy, like when I was with her in the room to like do her wig and like do a little makeup, blah, 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 and like really give her energy that I didn't have. And I would leave the room and ball. Like I just was a, a, a mess. So I was like, oh, I need to get a handle on this. And like, and my just young heart was broken. I thought this was like my husband and my life and like whatever. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I went to therapy, I think I only lasted with that specific therapist. I want to say five sessions, like in its entirety, it was nothing. It wasn't like I went to therapy. I wouldn't really count it as that. I appreciate that I did it. She got me to good places to be like, kind of snap me out of it, get me onto my next trajectory, but I didn't do any therapy, any investments in my mental health in that way up until COVID. What was the catalyst then? Was it because you had the time or was it that COVID really made you feel a certain way? A little bit of both. A little bit of both, because for me personally, my relationship, being with somebody on a day to day, you know, all, all the things came up, everything bubbled up. It was all the things that I never had time to look over for myself, you know, with nonstop work, truly, like, especially after that breakup, I had been single up until I met my boyfriend now and all my life, my being is work. So I never had downtime or a time where I was really going through it with myself or to give that really big self-evaluation and wondering all the hows, the whys, and you know, what, what, why I am the way I am or would respond to certain things or whatnot. Um, I think being in a relationship, a lot of people talk about self-work and they literally think that means single self-work when you're literally with nobody else. But the amount of work that I've done on myself and learned about myself while being in a relationship is immense. Like, Immense. I, I have learned so, so much. And it's probably because you have somebody that's like looking you in the face every day. And it's like a mirror to being like, Hey, that's, that's bad behavior. You're not going to do that. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, I'm not telling myself about myself when I'm by myself. I'm like, you're the shit. You're amazing. Like, I'm not doing that. So I'm like, cool. Okay. Wait, what don't you, what's going on? So I had a lot of self like figuring out, but all of them and what I've learned in therapy, it all comes from really truly a place of childhood traumas or unhealed wounds or things that start off at a re really young stage. And I appreciate my therapist because she goes more into the, again, we're in the beauty world. We talk about self-care, self -care, self we talk about all these things and mental health wise even, but I really love understanding the science behind why, you know, I don't just have a trigger because, well, but, but, but there's literally deep psyche reasons as to why specifically that comes up and when it comes up and with what tone that it's being told to me and why I react the way I do. So for me, I like knowing the whys and the hows, because then I can really evaluate how to change it, how to change the behavior, not just being like, well, don't be a bitch because you're a bitch. 
oh, well, all right. Like, but why am I being a bitch? Why am I being angry today? Where is this anger coming from? And then how do I kind of dig to the layers and heal those layers so that way I'm not responding and reacting or being irrational in certain ways. So it's really helped me. But yeah, COVID, relationship, and just having the time because I didn't have the time. And now from that manifestation of, of doing it so much in COVID, I was doing, seeing her weekly. I went from years of nothing, seeing this lady weekly. Um, and I've seen her now, God, what does it have to be? Cause I saw her early COVID. It wasn't long in COVID that then I was so like, March 2020 really was when it, the lockdown started. Yeah. So at least like, God, definitely before 2021, um yeah a couple months a good a good handful of months basically up until now and um yeah now I see her bi-weekly just because of scheduling but I make sure to keep up with it because sometimes I think I'm good like I'm fine I'm good but then that other session that I had again it was a random thing that came up in my relationship that I was like oh uh, blah 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 I don't like that it's making me upset and then where it stemmed from I didn't even like it was a wild where it took me back to my childhood that it's all there. And she just, you know, my therapist tells me about the different parts of the brain and where we hold different memories. You know, she calls it your old brain and your new brain. There's so much that we have back here that might not be in our forefront or we're reminded of every day or even for years, but it's always there. And it might just come out and manifest in different ways. So it's just so interesting to me. And I really thought, you know, I was a very self-proclaimed, I know myself. I get, I get myself when I was 24, 25 and I'm 28, I thought it was good. Like I'm good on all the awareness shit. And then it just, it just makes me realize that it's, you're never going to be there. Like you're only going to get better, but every day is continually growth and learning. And that's an exciting place to be in versus I was intimidated by it before. So it's good now, which is, I'm very thankful for. I am so scared of going to therapy. I I want to go. I want to go, especially is it cognitive behavioral behavioral therapy where they look oh, at why you do I'm... the things, yeah, yep. the things that you do. Yes. And but it's always been, oh, it's like an extra expense. So when yeah. I'm earning this or when we move house because I want to go and see wow. someone. But now like you can literally do it online. That's what I do. Um Oh, you do it online. Okay. Yeah, I do it online because I mean, phys- probably truly, and that's probably why I dropped off with my other one. And that's the thing that I like about this virtual world. And I think COVID made me comfortable with it. This even feels a decent amount of intimate with me being mm. with you here because we're, we're used to it. We kind of created a whole other lane of how we connect with people that we weren't forced to do. This wouldn't even be considered connection at all um, because you'd have to meet in person in order for there to be a connection. Now this is like a lane of, no, we can't connect this way. I actually feel more comfortable now being in the comfort of my home, getting on an hour long call with my therapist on FaceTime. I still see her. There's still somebody there, but I'm in my safe space. I don't mm. have to get up, leave my house. It becomes a three hour ordeal with and travel. Build it up in your head. A lot of buildup. My yeah. anxiety doesn't work well that way. It's good. It's a great avenue for people to be able to take. And then you just have more flexibility with making it work in your schedule to then you know, be disciplined in doing it enough to get to the actual meat of the work. Cause it takes some time. Cause it's just like dating. Like it took me my first couple sessions. You're kind of like, God damn, I'm paying for this. And she's just oh, learning my like last name and where I'm from. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Can we get to the, like the deep shit? But it's, she has, they have to get to know you. <laughs> need to build up. I don't know if I'm ready. Cause it's so funny what you said. I feel like I have memories of old dreams oh, and yeah. I wonder if they were really dreams or really things that happened. So I think 
there's part of me that is scared of opening anything up like you know I'm getting on with my life doing xyz do you want to open up that yeah can of worms you know what's interesting my sister has that exact same mindset like verbatim what you just said do I want to go through open up those norms and relive the things that you know subconsciously weren't fun and you didn't enjoy or our triggers are not um happy emotions at all and it's like why do I want to go through it again I made it through. I'm in a good place. Like I'm, 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 I'm coasting for what it's worth. I'm, I'm good on my day to day. I'm successful. I have all these things, but I, I sound like such a pusher too for therapy. I'm like, no, you're going to go, but it's, no, it. <laughs> but it's crazy the amount of even better and more happiness and true joy and like grounding that you get, at least for me, I know everybody is different. So you can't say that it's like a bubble statement, but, um, it, it's such an interesting thing. Again, just the psychology behind it until you wipe that you know, slate clean, can't really get to the meat of it. And like the base of like the good shit, the actual healing, the forgiveness stuff, the, all the, whatever it is. Plus it really does help with our work. Um, how I interact with the clients, uh, in certain situations where it's like, it's, I'm not immune from being triggered at work. I think about that all the time, even though maybe it's my forefront, you know, trigger might be for my boyfriend or my mom or my best friend, but it can happen in a workspace and it helps me deal with circumstances or people I'm coming in touch with when on set to how to work in a situation. I've had a uh, conflict on set and that's only new, um, probably because I have more wear all and understanding, Right. but you know what I mean? Where now I'm like learning to stand up for myself. So with that comes some conflict, but now I know how to deal with it in a mature way. And then I'm going home and I feel better about myself, my worth, my integrity and how I'm showing up for, cause it's most importantly about myself at the end of the day, like a job's a job, but I want to make sure I'm intact. Um, and it's good for me to have those tools because before I didn't have those tools, I would just probably bottle it up. Or if somebody has an issue with me on set or having a conflict with a producer or something, I would just, Oh, it's all my, it's my problem. It's my bad. I'll fix it. And you, and that internalizes over time that you're mm-hmm. thinking that all these things and problems that really have nothing to do with you or aren't your fault become your fault and you internalize that. And that weighs on you over time, at least for me, it did. And now when I'm actually putting my feet down and going, no, no, I've been through it. Like I know when I'm on a job that this actually isn't my fault, not even my position to take care of. I'm not going to let you speak to me in this manner, but in a professional way of going about it has helped me immensely. And that's one thing I'm super thankful for when we bring it back to the work sense, life sense, of course, but work sense has also shown me, oh, wow, this is a great way to approach a situation when I'm uncomfortable okay yeah 2022 20 summer 2022 Liz Rachel no listen you got it's all in the right time I had it you have to do it when it's right but with anything else but it's it's good when it's good (laughs) but tell me a bit more about your work like tell me what is the thing you love the most and just let people know a little bit more about do you have a typical day yeah um typical day never I don't want to say a mess because it's just sporadic. It's it's (laughs) nuts because it's never the same. Like last week, I literally had a job Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and every single day it was a different job. So I have to turn my kid around. I have to pack down or pack larger. I have to plan my travels. You know, it's different hours I'm working, different times I got to go to bed, different locations. So it's not like I'm waking up, same routine, same place, my stuff's there. So it's, um, it can be really taxing. But I enjoy that adrenaline because I get so bored and it's stagnant for me when I'm on something for 
right. a year straight, three months straight. I'm like, wait, what? Even when I've done certain Broadway shows and I'm on it for, I did a full-time show, uh, Be More Chill. And I was on that for at least almost a full year, almost. Um, and I was itching to get out because it was too, I was like, oh my God, I'm doing the same thing every day. And you literally are, at least with TV and film, once a scene is completed, obviously, you're on to the next. It's a whole different yeah. look. It's a whole different vibe. So there's a little bit of different creativity in your moving theater. When I work Lion King, I know that I'm coming in to do Zazu and Zazu's never going to not be Zazu. So I have <laughs> to do him the same every day. It's the same thing. Some people yeah. love that and they really get a joy out of like finessing and finding the nuances. But I just, I can do it for a certain period of time. And then I'm like, what's next? What's next? What's next? I have like crazy FOMO. I always want my hands and things all the time, which I've learned. I need to slow down about, but it's fine. <laughs> so with that FOMO in mind, is mm-hmm. there any show or film that you wished you'd worked on? Ooh, God, probably Marvelous Miss Maisel, like off the top of my head. Um, okay. Because I would have, I just love the show so much that I think, and I really enjoy the time period. It's just gorgeous. And it's like seamless makeup. And I'm not used to doing that um kind of makeup every day so that would have been a fun like really delicate push with the certain colors and the time period and the shapes that would be really fun to explore um but I also wanted to dip my hand in Wicked I never tried Wicked on Broadway I never pushed myself to like movie coming isn't it so what is it there's a movie coming of it right yes yes and I'm pretty sure what it's like Ariana Grande is in it like a bunch of like big people right Cynthia Erivo is it Yes. So it's Cynthia and it has to be her. It's definitely those two big wigs, but, um, which is dope. Like I love, you know, those are the things that would be great to work on, but I've worked on my heavy hitter Broadway like shows. Lion King was always like my end all be all. If I worked on Lion King, I had made it. So when I did that (laughs) younger, I was like, uh, my world had changed. It was great. But yeah, Wicked, I've never tried. I just love Joe Delude's work. I think it's flawless. He does one of those makeups for Alphabet where it's like, he really took in my eyes, a fashion world, and like something that was just editorial like and then made it this character that became theatrical and I love when artists merge those two worlds because for me that's what I'm used to doing I like doing delicate cool nuanced stuff that's leaning on avant-garde and it's creative but then there's just straight up theater like traditional theater work Mm -hmm. where it's like heavy like contrast and like you know it's character work and I like it when those two worlds merge it reminds me of Pat McGrath like she's a full like her theatrics and what she does on a runway is beyond like you wouldn't see it you know walking on the street and you might not even see it in your regular commercial like she takes things to the next level and I've always loved that but there's precision in it it's clean it makes sense it's not messy so I love artists like that it's just they know what they're doing man it's crazy love Pat yeah I feel like the whole time I've been sitting here this is a zoom so I can see Rachel while we're talking you're makeup is so like I'm looking at myself I'm so oily I'm just like no you're I need first of all I need no I need to know your foundation like what what is this combination you've got on you're so soft and matte okay but yeah I've but that's because first of all I'm breaking out like a mother right here this is always my target spot I can't remedy and I'm like as a makeup artist we have access to all these skin people and I still I just can't I've tried and I'm, I'm working on it hard. I'm sure it's still diet and stress and other things and internal, but yeah, no, she's a mess. But so I loaded it up today. I have on the, um, Shiseido, uh, radiant lifting skin foundation, whatever that is. It's phenomenal. Um, I love the finish, but I mix it. I do, which sounds crazy. I have like three things on my face. Cause then I put the Kosas revealer concealer 
in spots that actually helps usually when I'm breaking out, it's like a great remedy just because mm-hmm. the elements that are in it is awesome. Um, so it actually brings down some of my swelling and blemishes, which I love. And then I top it off with, um, a little bit of Joa beauty, which sounds crazy, but it's a more of a radiant Joa beauty is new, by the way. I know you're looking at me like, what Joa beauty it's under the kiss family kiss product. Okay. Yep. It's called Joa beauty. They're CVS only exclusive, uh, online and in stores. And they're great. They have a new primedation foundation. It's like one of those kind of like how Maybelline just came out with their four in one. It's one of those. So it's supposed to be like a primer, moisturizer, foundation. But it's great because I can get so dry, but it just makes my skin look supple enough. So then I kind of top it in certain areas. I need extra like little oomph of still looking (laughs) like skin. So I pop her here and then I seal everything with the the Kosas cloud setting powder. But I put it in with a sponge which really helps mat it down and push it, but it's still soft, which I like. It's not cakey. Yeah. I haven't played yeah. with too many other like loose, loose powders on my skin that were, I'm very porous. So once I start pushing powders in girl, it just looks wild. <laughs> so I need something soft and like light, but coverage, you know? Tell me your favorite, you know, either mascara, lipstick, blush. What are you really loving right now? What have you noticed you're using a lot? Hmm. As of lately, I've definitely been playing with a lot of makeup on Mario. Oh, a lot of them. I really love. have. And I love, I recently tried his highlighter because I had had last Christmas, ironically, because we're now we're coming up on the year is when I got his whole eye set. And still to this day, the thing that I pretty much use every day is his master mask palette. Like it just is like yeah, a staple cool. in personal, my professional kit. It just has all the shades that I need. And it's great for just doing the blending colors creating something that's dramatic, a smoky eye. I love the mats. They're perfect for every skin tone. So I love it. Love it. Um, gosh, blushes. I need to be better about, I dipped into Ilya. They're little like bomb blushes and mm-hmm. I enjoy it, but I'm such a powder face girl a lot of the winter. So it's hard for me to kind of like add the bomb and then not have it do a little drag where it lifts up my, I'm like, Oh shit. But I love, I love that. I do like their brand. I want to play more with their brand that I've looked at. I definitely want to play more with for sure. I'm like staring at my vanity right now. Like, thank God it's right there. (laughs) If I really, I'm like makeup, what's that? I'm every time I get asked about makeup is as if I don't do it. Um, And you know what though? Oh, you know what I've been sleeping on? And this, I feel so silly for even saying is the NARS uh, matte concealer, the pro matte concealer. It really makes the, me mad because so many people that What is it? The one in the little pot. It's the soft yeah, matte concealer. Yeah. Like as a professional artist, like I genuinely should have like absolutely have played with this years ago and have it in my kit and all the it's things. Lovely. I've just slowly started adding it. But it's phenomenal. Katie Jane uses it every day. Janae, like all these people I follow. And then I've just started recently. Janae was actually the one that sold it to me where I like was watching her do her like slight uh, concealing for pigmentation. I was like, huh. I was like, all right, let me play with that. I love the finish. And then I used it on clients the other day. And I literally, the way that my client's makeup looked, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I haven't even done this. And it was just such a perfect setting under the eye. It just made her look, t- I was like, all right, well, there's that. So I'm, I'm obsessed with that. I'm dipping more than ours too, but those are pretty, pretty heavy hitters. I want to play with that rare beauty mascara though. Have you touched it? No, I don't know if we have access to it over here. I'm trying to think. Oh, no, rare beauty really? Maybe one of the, I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Look at, let's see if you can, I'm curious because I wanted to play with her blushes. I love a cream blush and it's so pigmented. So I wanted to play with that, but I haven't done um, her mascara because lately I've been using Kosas 
Um, and I'm a big, big fan of Maybelline mascara. And everybody talks about that, like which one, one, the classic one, the pink no, and I, the green one. No, okay. no, I love the falsies. Anytime, oh. just because I like the really fat applicator for the most part. Um, Me too. But yeah, no, she's she's been cute. I've been trying, but these are all fake lashes. This would never be me ever in my life. Oh, I'm gonna try and put some on this week. No okay. Yes. Final question for you, Rachel. Yeah. Love it. When do you feel your most just beautiful or the best? But I get torn between beautiful mm-hmm. and the most you because I feel what's more important is mm-hmm. you feeling like you, right? Right. But for some people, that is when they feel they're most beautiful. So, yeah. no, I love that question. I think that's great. I definitely think it is. You're right, though. It's like a combination because when you're feeling your most you, there's a beauty about it. Like, you really do feel like this inner beauty, outer beauty moment where you're like, oh, okay, I'm digging myself emotionally and physically, whatever it could be. Um, I'm trying to think. It's probably going to be corny and people will hate me for it. But it's, <laughs> it's probably going to be at least recently, especially right now, answering it honestly in my life where I'm at. It will probably be when I'm um, when I'm just at home cozy with my boyfriend. Honestly, when I'm just with Ty and I'm sitting, I've also I think because of COVID, it's been such a long journey with this one specific person. Um, I have moments, of course, on my own, but I think they're pretty standard. But when I really feel like a big sense of just like I feel a lot of love, I feel a lot of like self, just like I, I feel really good. I'm sitting there, I'm enjoying. It's usually probably when we're lounging. I'm not made up. I'm chilling. I'm being very appreciated by somebody that's just loving you and all your not glory. Um, and I think it's a really like raw, candid moment. Sometimes I try to capture it for Instagram because what I'm feeling in my head. So I'll like sneak a little like moment of like us cuddling or doing something. So I'm like, I'm feeling so much joy and like love in that moment. And I feel great. I feel happy that I finally hit a place in my life where I'm with somebody that I love so much and that it loves me for so much. And it's seen me through a lot of shit. Um, and it makes it feel so real and it's unconditional. And that's a really beautiful thing to be in. Cause that's definitely the first time I've really felt it in my life outside of my family and some friends. So it's a really nice thing to have. And I'm, I'm really happy for that. Sorry. I know I said that was the last question, but one more love just it. because love I loved, um, I think somebody shared this post on Instagram. It's always Instagram. and it was this quote from this you know old man I think he was in his 80s and had been with his wife for a long time and they said he was basically talking about she was never just the same woman the whole relationship Mm. she changed regularly like regularly regularly and he loved all of the women that she was so I just wanted to ask you like how has it been for you going to therapy because I feel like maybe each week you might learn something new about yourself and come home to Ty and be like, oh, I've learned something. <laughs> like, how was it for the relationship, him reacting to these new things? Yeah. No, that's a great question. And it's so real. I also love, I'm sure you could tell this by a lot of my answers. I love talking about relationships and I love <laughs> figuring out the inner workings of people and their match and like what and how things go. Um, I can talk about it all day long. But um, thankfully, thankfully, he's taking everything in really good stride. He's very respectful. I'm far more emotional than he is far more uh, <laughs> on both sides of the spectrum. When it comes to like really lovey stuff or very heavily, I'm, I'm very emotionally driven. He's so logical sometimes to a fault that then it has to like, he has to kind of realize, Oh, well she's being emotional and it's okay. That's been his biggest thing. He's had to learn for me the things that I'll be upset about. I'll be reactive to. He's like, why? 
how, what is, what's so how is this even an emotion? So he's had to learn a lot from me in that, that it's like, you have to respect people's emotions just because you don't identify with them or that's not how you would react or how you feel to a situation doesn't make it invalid. So we've had a lot of crossover of learning where I have to, he has to empathize with my feelings, but I have to, I also have to learn my therapist. This is her verbiage. I have to learn not to um, pet my feelings. So she was like, you don't have to pet them, Rachel. Like anytime you're feeling something, you don't have to have somebody be like, oh, you're feeling that feeling and be like, thank you. I know I am. Like, it's like, you have to just keep it pushing, feel the damn feeling and, and move on. So I've learned that, but he's, he's great with it. He's, he's, um, he's gotten better. He's good. When I come out of a very emotional session, he'll ask me, is it, are you okay? Do you want to talk about it? And then he'll give me, he's very good at the space thing. Whereas I have to learn the space thing. Um, but he's good at the, he'll give me a whole damn day and he won't even pester if it's something I never bring up again. And he doesn't poke me to like dive deep with something unless I'm ready to talk about it. So he's good. I'm just glad he's aware that me going through that everyday change process, I'm going to come out of the session different every time. Sometimes I come out happy. A lot of the time my immediate reaction is upset or drained. Like I'm exhausted. And he's very respectful about that process of me getting back on the horse. And he doesn't make me feel like an asshole that I'm, I can probably look like a psychopath in a day because I'll be riding high and then super low and I'm flipping and flopping. So he's, he's, he's human though. So he has his day too. So he's like, keep it away from me. You got to just take it over there, go through your shit. And I can't be the shoulder today, which is fine. And I've learned it's like an actual, very healthy thing to not always have my partner be that soldier for everything I'm going through and vice versa. I can't always give him what he needs. And I've learned very like calmly that he also cannot give me everything I need. I have to figure that out on my own. Um, and then the big stuff he comes through for. So that's, what's important. So that's, it's a good balance. We're figuring it out, but every day is new, Sharice. <laughs> every day is new, every situation. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. You can check Rachel and her workout at Estabrook Artistry on Instagram and be sure to check out her beauty industry podcast, Seriously Made Up, anywhere you'd like to listen. Do please rate and review and be sure to follow me on Instagram at Beauty Me Podcast. If you want to stay in touch with everything else I'm up to, I'll leave a link to my newsletter in the show notes and you can also find me on YouTube. See you next time.